Thanks for tuning in to Voices in DevOps. If you enjoy this podcast, please check out John's reports and blogs on gigaohm.com, where he covers all things DevOps, data, and strategy, addressing many of the topics covered in Voices in DevOps. Hello and welcome to this edition of Voices in DevOps, where I'm going to be speaking to Daniel Vincent. Dan, can I call you Dan? Is that all right? Uh, absolutely, of course you can. I, I always have. So, so. Now, I, I've known Dan for a long time, largely through uh, musical connections, and uh, but it transpires, Dan, that you're a head of software development at a company called Scion, and I know very little about Scion, so maybe you can... Uh, uh, tell us a bit more about uh, about Scion and, and your role there. So uh, Scion um, is a part of uh, Howden Employee Benefits, which is part of the Hyperion Insurance Group. Uh, we've recently joined that group from Punta Southall Group. Um, we uh, work with employers to uh, to help them uh, best administer their employee benefits. This includes things like uh, medical insurance and uh, life and uh, income protection and on all these kind of things. So these mm-hmm. are, when you join a company, the, the kind of, uh, be, you know, the benefits that kind of come on the, the other side of your contract uh, sheet that you get in the post. Um, so obviously employers uh, spend a lot of money on this, on this kind of stuff. And, um, mm-hmm. and this is really, you know, using a platform such as uh, Scion's Elysium platform really allows those employers to get deep into the, uh, the MI of, you know, how, where, whether they're, um, they're getting the best deal on the uh, the insurances that they're uh, they're purchasing, um, but also uh, to allow them to supply the insurers with uh, more accurate information to keep their premiums at a manageable level. And so, who who sits in front of your stuff? Is it the HR department? Is it the the employees themselves? So, um, um, who are your users for? For our flexible benefits platform, Uflex, it's uh, the employees themselves, so um, so they can go in and you know uh, purchase holiday or childcare vouchers or um, you know dining cards and and little bits and pieces like that. They can uh, add family members onto their uh, onto their uh, insurance schemes as well, you know, for, for private medical things like that. So that's a very um, broad church, I think, the uh, that that kind of flexible benefits platform. For our, our flagship product, Elysium, it's really for uh, employers, so it's the HR department especially, for them to go and uh, be able to uh, access their uh, their data uh, that is shared, obviously, with their insurer, um, uh, and also to provide the insurer with, the late, as I say, the latest information so that um, they can keep their uh, their premiums at a manageable level and, opt- mm-hmm. and optimize the, the level of insurance uh, where that's supported by the insurer. And how, how many people are you in, in, in terms of Scion? Um, Scion's a relatively small uh, part of the business. Um, it's around 30 people. Um, mm-hmm. So we have a very small development team, uh, and we work alongside uh, corporate IT to, um, to go away and deliver our platforms out, either onto uh, uh, on-prem data centers or onto, uh, onto cloud um, and sort of virtualized environments. And, and uh, you, yourself, uh, the question I said I would start with, I didn't actually start with it. So how, how did you get into this then? Have you always been um, in uh, development? or? Uh? So, yeah, I've, um, I, I've been uh, involved in software development for just over 20 years, um, uh, more by attrition, I think, rather than anything else. Um, 
but it, it seems like a good job. Um, so, uh, so uh, uh, yeah, it does, uh, just about. Um, so I started off as a developer doing, like, like most people do, doing a little bit of support, uh, you know, building up my skills and working with, um, you know, sort of more experienced hand building, building platforms out. I would say the first sort of 10 years of, of my software development experience was doing what, what uh, people refer to as, you know, rad rapid uh, application development or, you know, or we'll build a thing, we'll, we'll draw it on the back of a fag packet and, uh, and put it together. Um, for, for a number of businesses, that's, you know, incredibly um, profitable and, and it works really well. Uh, and, and, you know, in the, in the days of Agile now, you know, there are many people who kind of repackage that, that rad approach as, yeah, we're doing Agile. We just, we now just do it every two weeks. Um, and uh, as, as time went on, um, as a company uh, that I worked for at the time grew, uh, we obviously became uh, more mature in our approach. Um, and then we hit um, basically the kind of Prince 2 level of uh, project organization. So we would have a defined uh, software project and we'd kind of work out a bunch of milestones and go away and deliver that. And then in, in latter years, um, you know, obviously like everybody else, um, we started to, uh, or I've started to adapt to uh, using uh, agile methodologies um, to get that kind of continuous improvement uh, cycle into, into that delivery. So mm-hmm. um, that, that kind of has obviously advantages and disadvantages. And to be honest, different, different businesses that I work for at different times, you know, uh, necessitate, necessitates different approaches. It's, um, mm. but you know, interesting. your so, mileage may vary. That's probably why we're talking about it. Yeah, well, indeed. And, and we're, we're, we're going to, the one term you haven't used yet, but uh, you don't have to, is DevOps. And we'll, we'll come back to that. But it's interesting that you link it back into, into the RAD approaches because uh, we've seen, you know, extreme programming, we've seen DSDM, we've seen all, all kinds of, different manifestations uh, of what essentially mean comes down to anything but waterfall. Uh, but then what fascinates me is that you then link that back into Prince too. Uh, and do, you, do you see um, uh, sort of structured project management approaches and agile development methodologies as, uh, as friends or enemies? Are they, do they get on? Are they, are they I, kind of, I, do I, they I, rub along? I, I think it, it depends on the environment you work in. Um, we're a, we're incredibly collaborative here at Scion, and I think that's um, that's what attracted me to this role, you know, in the first place. Um, Prince Prince Two has has its place because sometimes you 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 need to plan a, a route from A to B, and it's and if you've got very uh, distinct drop dead dates that that you need to deliver to. Um, or whether you've got external um, dependencies on, on on a plan, sometimes that doesn't quite work out with Agile. So to have a, um, what's the best way to describe it? As, I, as someone said to me once, it, um, you can you can turn your Agile plan into a lot of very small waterfalls. I think is the, is the way that somebody described it to me once. Um, but but I think that the two can be complementary. Um, so in terms of um, in a corporate environment where we may be delivering, say, change requests for users, um, those change requests have, uh, and this is this is common to a number of different businesses that I've worked at. Um, those change requests have a very distinct life cycle. 
that's not entirely related to the development itself. It's about the um, the costing up of whether or not it's worth uh, doing in terms of measuring those business benefits. It's about uh, making sure that when we deliver that that new piece of functionality or that new piece of software, um, that there is adequate training and uh, and that the business uh, makes the necessary changes to get that uh, business value back. And I think sometimes uh, with agile, it those things can be lost in in the excitement of of delivering uh, delivering a product. And there is mm. there's always the danger that you're you're delivering product out into space uh, and no one. Uh, no one's really prepared to uh, to receive it, and there's not a plan to make sure that those benefits are realised once the the delivery is, has taken place. So I think the, the um, a more formal project management management methodology um, does does have a certain amount of um, overlap, um, but then other people do it in different ways, and uh, and you know obviously uh, agile is derived from lean, and there are um, there are very good methods of, of measuring that uh, that business benefit um, mm. in other ways. So, uh, yeah, and again, obviously, when when you go back to the kind of um, yeah, as I say, like lean manufacturing principles and everything else like that, um, you know, it, that that obviously has its place as well. That that's that 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 common um, uh, misunderstanding about. Uh, uh, ag- agile stuff is that it's less formal in some way, and as you as you as you hint at, it's uh, its roots in in lean manufacturing. The, the the opposite has to be true if you want to be efficient. Yeah, and uh, and I think it, it, it's very easy, and I think that's where the the, the DevOps, you know, to, to a certain extent, you could say, right, we're going to go and build some software. We're going to use agile. We'll use Jira or some other tool to to or uh, you know we'll do some sticky notes up on the board. We'll 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 do it for two weeks. See where we get. You know, here's a bunch of user stories, and we can go away and do it. And we can mm-hmm. do that forever. We can go and deliver uh, incrementally more and more functionality. But somebody external to the team, I think, ha- you know, we we will talk. You know, maybe about say, uh, you know, we'll have a product manager and a product owner. But then outside of that kind of software development lifecycle environment, somebody has to, uh, you know make sure that those benefits are realized and make sure that everyone gets trained and, and, and things like that. And quite often teams aren't really geared up to do that whole thing. And there's that bit level of business engagement and so on and so forth. Um, and, and quite often in, in software development in a, in a, you know, a very commercialized uh, environment or a corporate environment, there are business reasons that you're, you, you know, you're, you're solving a business problem. In, in doing the development in the first place. Um, it's, it's not all about product development in that purest sense. Um, as as we, we may see when we go to, a, say, a DevOps or an Agile meetup and somebody will say, yeah, we built you know, this and then we added this feature and this feature. Quite wow. often it's quite, you know, it's quite mundane. It's, you know, well, we're, we're going to expand this office and therefore we need to, increased capacity of this thing or you know we're going to do it we're going to launch a new product elsewhere in the market and we need to add this new feature or you know we've we've restructured a team and we need a new drop down that says which team are going to handle this particular piece of work mm. some of these things are, are don't have the same uh, level of excitement or interest that you might see in some more traditional 
um, uh, quote-unquote uh, agile environments. So I think DevOps, to a certain extent, uh, will, as, as we'll, we'll talk about, I guess, in a minute, is, uh, is, is often the glue that kind of binds a lot of the, the different element, disparate elements together. Um, because in DevOps, in, in my mind, that's really around process automation and, and actually building a, a dependable and scalable workflow that your whole agile software development lifecycle sits in. Hold that thought, uh, and uh, I, I think you, you've, um, you, you've 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 set things up very well for the for the, the second half of this podcast. I just want to um, I, I've just been thinking out loud, and I've written some notes here, uh, and uh, a conversation I had uh, uh, a few months ago with uh, with an old colleague, uh, Michael Cote, um, who, who's now at Pivotal. Uh, he he said to me, "Yeah, the kit." The kids today, they don't even know they're doing DevOps. I, I paraphrase, but uh, it, it's words to that effect. And I, I think we do have these uh, environments, and I've just written down five bullets, so I'll list them out here. Bear with me. It's uh, it, software that's more consumer-oriented. It's, it's definitely going to be targeted at the cloud platform. Tends to be more startup-type organizations. Uh, tends to be more collaborative environments, possibly with uh, uh, people who haven't, I've written down younger, but they don't have to be younger, but just not necessarily familiar with old-fashioned ways of doing things. And they're just doing the DevOps thing as a kind of natural uh, um, approach because that's all they've ever known. And one of the things I've seen, and and you talk about the meetups, but I've also seen it with DevOps vendors and so on that have tended to preach to those converted. When they go into environments where all of those things aren't true, that's where things slow down considerably, and so hence, yeah, you know, the back the backdrop to this uh, this uh, podcast around enterprise, you know, scaling enterprise, scaling DevOps into the enterprise or DevOps in the enterprise, and, and just you know, removing the friction. That was a long preamble, but overall, I mean, do you see um, your organization as one where you, you? It's almost like you're bridging the old and the new because you're, you're doing. You're doing the newer stuff, but you've still you've got the background. Um, it, it's an older domain. You're, you're working uh, with with uh, you know on-premise uh, IT systems and so on. I I would I would actually go say that I don't think I've ever worked in an environment, to be honest, where all of those things are true, um, or any or many of those things are true. My my roles have always been within uh, larger corporate or enterprise environments with uh, mixed or, um, or hybrid environments, so part cloud, part on-prem, mm-hmm. um, you know, and scaling out from, you know, over the years, scaling out from a server under somebody's desk to, you know, large data centers and then, and then to the cloud. I think DevOps as a, as a, as a mindset is really around um, that kind of constant measurement uh, and that 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 drive to con- constantly improve um, and to and to make sure that each, uh, each step you can measure the success and you can and you can carry on and do the next step and so on. So uh, to to take away all of the kind of the all of the exciting things that that, that people associate DevOps with, it is basically the the process of delivering something out in a semi-automated or automated consistent fashion that you can measure 
and you know, that you can control. And I think with uh, you know doing it with agile, what you what you have is you have a really good framework for um, developing software and measuring your progress as you as you build, being able to perhaps change course when you when you need to. But it doesn't really cover the the concept of change and release um, of um, having some kind of change advisory board. You know, you have a product owner who who uh, in, in the in the sort of archetypal uh, agile setup is is the kind of the, the be all and end all, and that's great within a smaller business. But where you have multiple stakeholders, you do need to have a, an auditable process that you can then um, show to people and go, and that's why this drop-down is in on this form on this page. Um, because in, in certain uh, enterprise environments, that is very, very important because mm-hmm. some of the things that you're developing will be for compliance reasons or uh, in order to do a change to a live environment, there are compliance considerations. Does it need to go through security or penetration testing or, um, or other elements like that. So having a DevOps framework in place um, really does, uh, it it accelerates, I think, a lot of that. It certainly makes people uh, more empowered to be able to make all of the decisions that need need to be made within their domain. And then um, it, it also then joins up all of those different roles and responsibilities and all those different domains to allow people to safely deliver a change to a piece of software or or if we're talking about infrastructure as code then obviously you're making a change to an environment but you're you're safely delivering that change from the person who's making it to a person who's uh checking it to a person who's authorizing it and all of that stuff can be audited at the end because you have a you know a scalable and repeatable process that that's that's a really so i i I was thinking as you were speaking that the, the kind of nub of it is the, the whole CICD thing, the continuous development, continuous integration element. But actually what you're talking about is development, integration and deployment. And the continuous is the, the kind of the proof point that you're getting it right. Uh, that is the proof point that you've got the process automated and uh, you are able to do something consistently and repeatably. Absolutely, and 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 part of DevOps obviously is being able to measure your environment and measure performance to make sure that once your thing is bedded in, you know, let's assume that we all code without bugs for a moment. Um, <laughs> but once once your once your uh, once your change is 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 live, then you obviously you're you're also monitoring the performance of your software platform or your infrastructure platform to ensure that there are no long-term adverse effects to performance or you know no unforeseen oh my goodness you know we didn't open up this port and you know this this thing that's meant to be feeding us back telemetry doesn't do it do it correctly in live you know those kind of things mm-hmm. so having a having a devops process devops method you know and, and following a devops methodology using the tooling and getting everybody on board with, with that process and and getting everybody's buy-in on that process and on the tooling and making sure that everybody understands what their how they fit into that um to that process i think is is highly important and i think sometimes when people talk about agile they talk about devops 
it's really simple to do it on paper or it's as complicated as you want to do it on paper. But when it comes to the practicalities of doing it, sometimes people forget that the world exists outside of the software development team or the, you know, the, uh, the DevOps cloud team or, or whatever. Mm. There are stakeholders out there in the business who need to know when the, when this particular change is going to be made. And, uh, and they also want to, you know, when the auditor comes in and they want to say, well, can you talk me through the last six releases that you did? Um, you know, sort of looking at your feet and going, well, they happen every Friday and it just happens on its own. It's probably not going to cut it. Um, so, mm-hmm. so being able to, you know, if using your software tooling or whatever, wherever it is, whether you're using, you know, some Octopus or TFS or, you know, uh, Azure DevOps or Jira or whatever, um, then you've got to be able to understand that, that platform enough that you can say, well, here you go. Here's the logs. Yeah. These are the changes that took place. These are the database migrations that we did and, you know, and so on and so forth. And also it's for a DR reason, you know, having a, you know, a, a good DevOps pipeline means that you can just put out another environment, you know, you can rebuild your environment and, you know, hopefully integrate your kind of backup and restore technology in there as well. So I think without going sort of super into the weeds about the technology part, it's about having that uh, that collaboration across uh, multidisciplinary teams inside and outside of IT. It's having the communication out to people, understanding what it is you're doing. Um, and then being able to do that and being able to make it scalable and repeatable is what, what really makes people have confidence in what you're doing. And, and they're more likely to give you the right, the right push, I think, to, to make your changes that you want to make. That's it. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm really picking up on the word repeatable, and, and something you're saying reminds me of the old uh, mil- military term. Oh, yeah, Harry over there, he talks a good project. You know, we can all talk a good DevOps, um, but then actually making making it happen in practice is, is the trick. So, a question for you: um, You said that you do. Uh, yeah, you, you're, you're obviously responsible for the, the development side of things, and then you work with uh, the internal IT teams um, uh, who are clearly also also going to be doing the ops side of things how does that relationship work and how does that tie into this these notions of repeatability and scaling and so on um so from a purist developer point of view um we'd obviously set up our ci cd pipelines we feed in you know our automated testing and everything else like that and we're we we we'll um that's the best way to put it I think within the sandbox that any IT department would, would provide. Um, and uh, in the last few years, I've worked um, obviously in software development, but both inside and outside of IT, um, which, is, mm-hmm. which has been uh, somewhat different. Um, but the, if, if for, the, for the brief moment, I, I could refer to IT as like, I guess, the infrastructure people and the software developers as the software people. Uh, but that's obviously... Um, varies, uh, you know, depending on where you are. Yeah, yeah, that's largely where we are, isn't it? Um, The infrastructure people are very process-led. They, if if it's a regulated environment or whether it, or or a client that has specific uh, security considerations, then that process absolutely needs to be 100% auditable and they will have their own change process whether it's swapping out a hard drive, whether it's 
um, you know, burying data in and out of a secure area, um, taking on new, you know, taking in new hardware or any of those kind of things. Because remember, we're not, not every, you know, we're not all in the cloud and, and you know, hybrid and, uh, and tin environments still exist. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys are not going to want to put out any piece of software. They also don't really like getting phoned up in the middle of the night when it doesn't work. So, um, so they want some assurances that it's, that not only does it work because it passes all your unit tests and because your QA guy has, has looked at it, they want a, they want a way of backing uh, or putting it in and backing it back out again. So what DevOps, I think, uh, and having those really strong um, and, and clearly defined pipelines should mean for those infrastructure guys is that you will uh, your pipeline should take you up to the, the sort of the edge of your UAT environment. So you'll have a dev environment. You'll uh, do uh, some UAT testing in your UAT environment, all automated with probably um, uh, internal gateways in terms of approvals. And then you'll go out to your your infrastructure uh, team or your, as I say, your on-site IT team, whatever. Um, and at that point there, you stop. Mm-hmm. Now, what you with it, with having a good DevOps process and having the, the you know the right automation tools in place, that probably means that somewhere somebody somewhere the change and release manager is going to get an email to say, hey, you know, there's this new release. It's all packaged up, ready to go. Um, this is what's in it. Um, these are the user stories or features that have been completed that are part of this release. These are the bugs that have been fixed. This is why we're releasing this bit. Effectively, this is why we're releasing this piece of code or this piece of configuration or whatever. So at that point there, the value is that already, rather than kind of going up to the guy's desk and going, oh, can you like release some code tonight? I've got some bugs to fix. They're getting something that they can then pretty much cut and paste into their uh, their meeting notes for the next change board if that's you know, if that's the process, mm-hmm. uh, they can, you know, present that to whoever the decision maker is, you know, or the security team, if they, if, you know, if it, to, uh, to have some kind of decision point as to whether or not they need to do any kind of further uh, testing, software testing or whatever, or come back and ask any questions. Once they're happy with it, they can approve it and the whole process should just then roll on and they don't, A, they don't have to do a whole bunch of work. You know, they don't have to copy all the files on and install this and do this, do that, do the other. And also, if it doesn't work, God forbid, you know, there should be, you know, as part of your pipeline, there should be a clear way to revert back um, either by, you know, backup automation or, um, you know, or a migration that will take, you know, that will basically roll, roll your previous changes back. I think... As, a, as someone who has worked on both sides in terms of pushing for development, but also managing uh, an IT operations team, I know what it's like to be cautious, and I also know what it's like when you're desperate to get something done. Mm-hmm. And I think DevOps, going back to my point I made earlier on, is the glue that takes the disparate parts of agile and um, and that kind of I'm not going to say rapid application development, but that kind of need for to push forward uh, constantly. Um, it's the glue that kind of sticks that to the more um, sensible, uh, structured, um, uh, and and more cautious approach. 
And and basically, De- DevOps, if it's done well, I think it is the is the pragmatic approach, and I think it blends blends the two if you're doing it right. So I've got a, I've got a question for you, but before I ask it, uh, I'm going to uh, play the narcissist. I haven't I haven't always been an analyst, you know. Uh, <laughs> he said uh, it just reminds me back in the day. Uh, when I was actually doing DSDM consultancy, I was working for an insurance company. It was Royal London in Colchester, and I was in that very meeting where the developers and the ops people were there. And it's exactly as you say. No, no, no person on the operational side wants to say you can't have it, you can't have it, you can't have it. But at the same time, they've got all their risks to manage, and uh, uh, they don't want flaky software coming in and breaking everything. So it's that just that feeling of disappointment when you realize you're being asked to get something thrown over the wall at you and it's not going to be properly tested and it's it's probably not going to work as well as it should. And just that, yeah, that, I've been in that meeting. Anyway, long and short, I was that soldier. So I, I hear you. I understand what you're saying. Um, on, on the question front, um, the you're, you're working very much in a more regulated environment. Well, I guess all environments are regulated, anything that touches customers. Uh, but uh, you are in insurance. How much of these things do you think apply even more uh, because of the environment you're in and, and how, much, how, how many of the things you're saying are, are just uh, general rules always apply? Um, to, to be honest, uh, there are obviously regulatory considerations. I think when you're working it, obviously, yep, in a financial or insurance environment. Um, in, my, in my previous role, uh, I was working in uh, facilities management uh, where you're working with a lot of sensitive location data or because uh, you're working for some you know huge clients and and you have you have a lot of their information to hand as well um, it would be you know easy to say well yeah if it's insurance or if it's banking you should do you know you should definitely take more care but reality is no you should you should take that level of care no matter what you're doing and I think yeah. it, it's very easy to you know, cobble it together and, and not, you know, knock it out, fuck off early, as they say. Oops. Um, but uh, in in reality, it, the same rules apply across all across all industries. the The difference is that in a more regulated environment, it's expected by the the, the management and and so on. Um, however. If it's not a regulated environment, it should be expected by you as the person who's delivering it. I, I think that's that that's the way that if 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 you're going to go out and kind of be a, um, a, an evangelist or whatever, uh, for want of a better word, of, of of DevOps, then you've got to have that mindset no matter what software you're delivering. I think really interestingly, what you're saying as well is, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll flip it back against. A lot of the conversations I have are about developers. They're about ops people. They're about engineers. They're about you know the the, the people working at the coalface of, of technology. But a lot of the things you're saying are, all, are, are at the decision making level. They're about you know risk registers and uh, uh, pro- project project management, yeah, training questions and and uh, uh, and uh, deployment cutover times and, and all those sorts of things, which are at a level above, and I think a lot of the conversations we're having at the moment around DevOps are are importantly at the lower level, but they're not necessarily taking into account all of these, let's say, things at the governance level. Absolutely, and and well-governed projects 
deliver better than ones that aren't. Um, and and anyone who you know will tut and say, oh no, but that's not agile or that's not this. Well, you know, maybe, maybe it's not, but maybe you know if if you're not if you're not being aware of the environment that you're in, if you're not aware of the risks that you know having a website with people's data on you know we, we've all just been through the the, the process of, uh, i'm sure in in all walks of life where we're putting cookie notices on because of you know those regulations and things like that but people are doing it because they're like oh you know it's, it's annoying isn't it but you know when there's a data breach or you know when there is a you, you know some exploit or whatever we're all quite quite quick to uh, point the finger but you know uh, good hygiene starts at home, uh, as they yes, say. Um, absolutely, always and, wash and, up as you go along. <laughs> exactly, and I think I think the the more that, that we're mindful of those things from 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 top to bottom, um, you know, it's my job uh, in in my role as software development uh, head of software development is to is, is to give people confidence we're doing the right thing, um, you know, and and at the end of the day. We've all been in a situation, you know, over the years where, you know, you pull a release because you're just not happy with it, you know, because it, I, I don't care if it's going to be late, you know, we're not putting that out because that, you know, the risk of do, sometimes the risk of doing something is greater than the risk of not doing it. Um, Absolutely. It's, it's important. It's important, I think, and, and DevOps really gives us the opportunity, as I say, is to deliver that scalable, repeatable, understandable and auditable process. Um, and we're, and the the automation elements of it take away human error. They also um, add in the um, the the opportunity to to bake in those workflow elements in terms of uh, authorization and review, uh, which is the other thing we haven't really covered. Which is the the element of you know you mentioned right at the top of the show, um, you know extreme programming and things like that. But having a sense of peer review. Uh, having a sense of sort of collective responsibility for the for the piece of software that you're or you know piece of code that you're delivering uh, or functionality you're delivering, I think it's really important. It's it and it is good to see, you know, the the kind of the the younger people who are sort of um, still cutting their teeth really in terms of all the all the technology that we're you know all the new frameworks and you know uh, Microsoft's ever changing. Uh, world of .NET, you know, things like that, and to see them very early on really grasp those principles of I understand what I'm doing and I understand that if I check in this piece of code and I tag it with the work item that I'm working on, it means that when we release it in, you know, two weeks' time, you can attribute every single line of code in that, that delivery back to where we, did, where we started doing it and why we were doing it. That's cool. great. I mean, that's... That's the, that's the tag in your cattle, I think, really. Fantastic. Well, we're, we're, we've got less than a minute to run, so I was going to ask you for any last thoughts, but I think we've even run out of time for that. So I'm just going to say thank you very much, Dan, uh, Vincent from uh, Scion, uh, for all your thoughts. And, uh, and uh, I will leave a last word to you if you want to just say thank you, anything you'd like to leave people with, but you've got 20 seconds to do it. Process, process, process. No. Uh, DevOps is good. Do it. Fantastic. Okay. Cheers, Dan. Good to speak to you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of Voices and DevOps, please check out the other ones. 
Scaling DevOps for the Enterprise is the focus of a recent report John wrote for GigaOM Research. To find out more about how digital transformation strategy is evolving, download the single report or subscribe to GigaOM Research for future forward advice on IT operations and business strategies.